Sharon, I think you've got the Bible reading for today, which is Luke 21. Um, so, uh, Sharon, over Good to morning. you. Hello. <laughs> yeah. So, Luke 21, verses 5 to 19. Some of his disciples were remarking about how the temple was adorned with beautiful stones and with gifts dedicated to God. But Jesus says... As for what you see here, the time will come when, when not one stone will be left on another. Every one of them will be thrown down. Teacher, they asked, when will these things happen? And what will be the sign that they are about to take place? He replied, watch out that you are not deceived. For many will come in my name claiming I am he and the time is near. Do not follow them. When you hear of wars and revolutions, do not be frightened. These things must happen first, but the end will not come right away. Then he said to them, nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be great earthquakes, famines and pestilences in various places and fearful events and great signs from heaven. But before all this, they will lay hands on you and persecute you. They will deliver you to synagogues and prisons, and you will be brought before kings and governors, and all on account of my name. This will result in your being witnesses to them. But make up your mind not to worry beforehand how you will defend yourselves, for I will give you words and wisdom that none of your adversaries will be able to resist or contradict. You will be betrayed by parents, brothers, relatives and friends, and they will put some of you to death. All men will hate you because of me, but not a hair of your head on your head will perish. By standing firm, you will save yourselves. Thank you, Sharon. Let's just pray now for Neil as he speaks. Lord, we just pray that you would be with Neil. Thank you for his preparation um, and time seeking you on these words. Pray that you would just be with him. You would speak through him. Your spirit would speak to us. And uh, yeah, Lord, we pray that we be encouraged today uh, by these words. Amen. Neil, thank you very much. Thank you. Hello, everyone. Uh, lovely to be with you again. I wonder, Paul, if you could uh, put up my first slide, which is an amazing uh, picture. Here it is. Uh, <laughs> I wonder how that picture makes you feel. For some, it will bring on feelings of excitement. But I'll be honest, just looking at it makes me feel very uncomfortable. Different things take different people out of their comfort zone. And being high up is definitely outside of my comfort zone. It reminded me uh, of a time quite a few years ago when I was minister of my first church in uh, the outskirts of London. Uh, and my youth worker decided he wanted to take our teenage children away for a, an outward bound uh, holiday in Austria and uh, he wanted me to go with him primarily I think just to do the devotional input and to give him a bit of confidence in leading the trip anyway we were out there had a fantastic time but on one of the days uh, we were scheduled to do what's called high ropes I don't know how many of you have done a high ropes exercise and basically they put a harness onto everyone and uh, you climb up uh, way up into the treetops and uh, you, you walk a circuit across kind of open spaces. You have to jump from tree to 
platform. It's really hair raising. Uh, anyway, I was glad that I was only there to be bringing the devotional uh, input to the week. So uh, I thought, well, I'll stay down on the ground and I'll shout out my encouragements to uh, everybody, all these young people who are going through the paces. But no, they weren't going to let me stay on the ground. Uh, they were going, come on, Neil, you've got to come up. So in the end, uh, they put a harness on me and uh, I had to climb up and go through this particular set of exercises. I was scared silly, I can tell you. Um, it took me way out of my comfort zone. Well, in our series in Luke, uh, we find ourselves now in chapter 21. And uh, William Barclay, at, uh, in his commentary on this passage, begins with these words. He says, from verse five onwards, this becomes a very difficult chapter. So thanks, Bernice. It's known as the eschatological discourse, eschatology being the science of last things. And if you're reading from the NIV, uh, it's entitled Signs of the End of the Age. But if you're hoping I'm going to tell you when the Lord is returning, then I'm afraid you're going to be a tad disappointed. You see, what makes this chapter difficult is that while some of what Jesus is speaking about concerns the long-term future, much of what he prophesies will take place less than 40 years later. So while some of it speaks to anyone and everyone, much of it is really only relevant to his immediate hearers. So what does this passage have to say to you and me in our current times and circumstances? Well, as I reflected on it this week, it seemed to me that it does have a lot to say to those who find themselves outside their comfort zone, hence my title. And I think there are three ways in which Jesus wanted to take the disciples outside their comfort zone. Firstly, through the idea of losing their precious building, the temple. Secondly, their lack of understanding of the times. And thirdly, through the prospect of being deprived of personal freedom. So let's dig into these three comfort zones and see what the passage might have to say to us. Firstly, then. Jesus wanting to lead them out of their comfort zone at the idea of losing their precious building. In verse 5, we find Jesus with his disciples in the temple in Jerusalem. And they were remarking how wonderfully adorned it was with beautiful stones and with gifts dedicated to God. I wonder if you visited a cathedral or one of those ornately decorated places of worship found around the world, or indeed any ancient building, and stood looking up in awe and wonder at its sheer size and magnificence, admiring its acoustics, perhaps as some chanting or singing echoes around it, or maybe marvelling at the way the light filters through the windows and around the spaces. Well, in much the same way, Jesus' disciples in our passage are amazed at the magnificence of Herod's temple, which was still not quite finished. 
For around 50 years, the second temple constructed by Zerubbabel, now there's a good name, isn't there, in around 516 BC, has been undergoing a complete refurbishment and expansion, including many large and beautiful stones, which the disciples were remarking on, some of which measured more than 20 meters long. The pillars of the porches were each formed from single pieces of white marble and measured at least 12 meters high. And Herod had decorated its walls with a solid gold vine of which each grape cluster was as tall as a man. The Jewish historian Josephus wrote that as the first rising of the sun was reflected in this fiery splendor, so those who looked upon it were forced to turn their eyes as they would from the sun's own brilliance. To the Jews of the time, it was unthinkable that the glory of the temple could ever be destroyed or diminished. In other words, their security in God was epitomized by this unshakable and glorious structure. And yet Jesus tells them in verse 6 that the time was coming when not one stone would remain upon another. And of course he was right. The Romans would completely flatten it in AD 70 when they squashed the Jewish rebellion. And if you've ever been to Jerusalem, you'll know that all that remains of it today is a small section of the foundation, which is now called the Wailing Wall. Buildings still carry a great deal of importance for us today. In this season of pandemic, with its many necessary restrictions, we've found ourselves both locked down inside our houses, but also locked out of our churches. For many, our home has become our refuge, but for others, it's come to feel like a prison. And for most Christians, the absence of a church building in which to congregate and worship has been at least frustrating and even painful. Now, for you, having a particular worship building brings little or no great security or identity or meaning. <laughs> Indeed, even when you could meet at Langley School, you chose not to on one Sunday each month. But for many churches, not being able to use their buildings and physical resources has really pushed them out of their comfort zone. And maybe even for us, not being able to meet together physically has felt very uncomfortable. I'm sure you'll have heard many times, the church is not the building, it is the people. And of course, that's right. But that doesn't seem to stop us putting our trust, our security, and our comfort in places and things. And when those places and things are taken from us, it can leave us feeling bereft. Secondly, Jesus led them out of their comfort zone through their lack of understanding about the times ahead. So going on to verses 7 to 11, we hear the disciples ask the inevitable question. When will these things happen? <laughs> it's inevitable because I guess we're all intrigued by when, how and why the future will unfold in the way it must. 
We hate the idea of being caught out by events, don't we? Perhaps that's why we save for rainy days. And maybe that's why so many people stockpiled toilet rolls, baked beans and flour when the pandemic struck. Now, Jesus could have responded by telling them it would happen in around 40 years, but he doesn't, for that would have put them at their ease. Instead, he warns them to be ready at all times for whatever may lie ahead and to resist the temptation to interpret the signs. For there will be wars, he said, earthquakes, famines, and yes, pestilences. And there will be those who will spout explanations and warnings and even conspiracy, conspiracy theories, if I can say that, in his name. But don't be deceived nor alarmed, Jesus said. Just put your trust in the Lord and be ready at all times and for all things. Elsewhere in the Gospels, Jesus warns his disciples to keep watch, for he will come back like a thief in the night and like a bridegroom for his bride. In other words, the only true preparation for what lies ahead is to live each day as though it is the last. In Proverbs 3, verses 5 to 6, we read, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your paths straight, or he will uh, open up the way for you. And then thirdly, Jesus wanted to lead them out of their comfort zone by the prospect of being deprived of their personal freedoms. Jesus' final warning to his disciples in verses 12 to 17 is that they will face persecution before any of these other things come to pass. Again, a very specific prophecy for those days. Now, that isn't to say we won't face persecution, but probably not to the same extent as the early church. That said, the more we step out in faith for God and live our lives in a distinctively Christ-centered way, and the more we seek to serve the Lord above all personal desires and ambitions, then we will probably face ridicule and perhaps sacrifice and certainly be misunderstood. That's why Jesus said, whoever wants to be my disciples must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Now, does that make you feel uncomfortable? But if we're serious about following Jesus, then he wants to be Lord of everything. Lord of our relationships, Lord of our calendars, Lord of our credit card, Lord of all. Throughout his earthly ministry, Jesus was teaching constantly his disciples to step out of their comfort zone and to trust him. Or as the title of the book by John Ortberg puts it, if you want to walk on water, you've got to get out of the boat, referring to Simon Peter's stepping out of his comfort zone. So let's wrap this up with a summary and perhaps a personal application. It seems to me that this passage is actually asking us 
three questions. Question one, is my confidence in things, places, people, and routines? Secondly, is my confidence in my understanding of the times and the circumstances, my knowledge of what lies ahead? Thirdly, is my confidence in my personal freedoms, ambitions, and plans? If so, then let's hear this message from this passage, put succinctly in verse 19, that whatever lies ahead, by standing firm, that is, with our confidence in Christ, we will gain life. An echo, perhaps, of John 10, verse 10, where Jesus said, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. So, what's it to be? A comfortable life, lived well within our own capabilities and our own comfort zone, or a life that counts for the kingdom, lived out on the edge and risking our comfort for God's purposes. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your promise that whatever we may face, we can have confidence in you. And that even though we may find ourselves outside our comfort zone, if we've built our life upon the rock that is Christ Jesus, then when wars, earthquakes, famines and pestilences hit us, we will not be shaken. Forgive us, Lord, when we've put our trust in people, places and things, which are all so temporary and frail rather than in you. Forgive us when we've chosen to stay within the comfort of the boat rather than to respond to your call to come and walk with you upon the stormy waters. Help us to make you Lord of everything and to put our trust in you, whatever this world, this life, may throw at us. Help us to stand firm that we may gain life. And may the God of all grace, who's called us to his eternal glory in Christ, restore us and make us strong, firm and steadfast. For we ask it in Jesus' name and for the sake of his kingdom. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Neil. Thank you very much.